Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Zao, the podcast where we hear and share stories of life lived. Now, I know it's been quite a while since we put out an episode, but today we have a special interview. Recently, I sat down over lunch with Kevin Shalin, who is a food blogger. And uh, we're doing this as part of my church's 2020 theme, uh, A Brick-and-Mortar Life. And the idea of this theme is that our lives are made up of different pieces or bricks. Um, You know, you have your home brick and a work brick and a neighborhood brick and a social brick and so on. And these bricks together form our lives. However, we often regulate our faith to a brick or um, or even more so, we, we call it our church brick. And our connection to the divine stays contained only in what we do in that compartment of life. So instead, we are seeking to change that whole worldview and make our faith, our connection to God, the mortar between the bricks. Not relegated to a part, but connected to all the other parts. So that every part of our lives are connected to God, and when we discover that, our whole lives become a spiritual experience. So uh, the month of March, uh, we're focusing on our food and dining brick, you know, where we eat, what we consume, who we consume it with, and all the rituals around that. Food is such a major part of our lives But rarely do we reflect on the spiritual experience of fueling our bodies and the connections with others that we have as we do so. So that's why I wanted to talk to Kevin, who spends so much of his life thinking, talking, and writing about food and dining so that we can unpack what is the spiritual experience, what is the connection to the divine we have around food. And we recorded our lunch conversation. Uh, We even videotaped it for the church, so that's why you'll hear us talking about cameras and and stuff. And you can follow Kevin's blog, um, themightyrib.com, or um, also follow him on uh, Facebook and Instagram. So here is my conversation with Kevin Shalin. All right, so there's a rule. Like, if I get food in my beard, you have to tell me. I have to, well, same plot to me then, okay. I also think this is going to be, like, a really bad experience for people with... um, uh, misophonia. Yeah. <laughs> like the, it triggers it. Yeah, <laughs> like all the, the food noises. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. um, so I'm here with Kevin Shalin, who is a food blogger. He uh, His food blog is called The Mighty Rib. Mm-hmm. You're also Mighty Rib on Facebook. Are you on Instagram? Twitter? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, although Twitter's not huge anymore in the food world with in Little Rock anywhere. anyway. It used to be. Uh, now it's it's really about Instagram, and I do a lot of my... My damage on Facebook, a lot of my, con- I should say my social connection on Facebook. Yeah. And then I have my website uh, where I post everything, and I do a lot of uh, freelance work. Um, I write for a site called onlyanark.com, and that gives me a chance to uh, really feature places from all around Arkansas, not just Little Rock. Yeah. So, so um, how'd you get into food blogging well, um, all that? Well, I... Uh, I was a food writer, or I was a writer in, in college, a basketball writer. I have that in my blood. My uncle's a, a, a sports writer in um, New York. He was in New York City and then in Boston. And I always looked up to him, and I enjoyed writing when I was a, when I was a kid and when I was in college. And, um, and I, was, I had a family. I was a high school teacher in Houston. I was probably, gosh, what, how old was I? Um, about 30, 
32-33, and I was looking for um, a hobby, um, and I wanted to start writing again. And my wife and I took a, a food trip to uh, Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, yeah, Missouri. <laughs> Where is Kansas, Kansas City? Yeah. There is a Kansas <laughs> yeah. City, Kansas. We'll, we'll just at least... Now, now, I but that, they don't have a professional football yeah. team. And um, we had a great time, and I, it kind of inspired me. We went to a barbecue shop called Oklahoma Joe's, which is now Kansas City Joe's. They changed the name. They have great burnt ends. They have, they're famous for their burnt ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they actually have great ribs, too. And it inspired me to go home, create a blog, and I called it The Mighty Rib. Didn't think anyone would read it, and no one did for many months. And I just stuck with it and um, just kept writing every single day. And then I got a freelance job with the Houston Press, and I just really, at that point, this was about six months into it, I just really dove in and went to events and covered all sorts of things related to food and really kind of fell in love with it. And at the same time, uh, doing all that writing for the Houston Press, I was still maintaining my personal blog. And um, we moved around a little bit. We, uh, my wife's work, she works at UAMS. She's a physician. She was in her last year of training, and she got a fellowship in Boston. So we moved to Boston and, again, dove into the food scene, really enjoyed it. And then uh, about 10 months in, she got an interview down here in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, at UAMS, and uh we ended up coming down here for that, and uh, I, I've talked to you a little bit about mm-hmm. it. Like I really thought it was it for me in my food writing days. <laughs> like I didn't a, know if there was going to be anything. This food desert of Little Rock. Yeah, food desert of Little Rock. Uh, turns out it couldn't have been more wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have food bloggers. There was not many food bloggers, and uh, you there was this burgeoning food scene, and it was manageable to cover. And um, again, I just went went head first and and just got myself involved as much as I could in the community, and um, just started writing and writing and kept going. So and, uh, now that you've put food in your mouth, I'm going to ask you another <laughs> <Yeah>. question. Um, <laughs> how do you see your work as the purpose for your life and for the community? Um, well, you know, it's taken several years to get there because when I first started this, I certainly didn't have that vision. I was just flexing, uh, you know, my creativity and um it, it's, I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years now, and, and it's just really in the last, I would say, three to four years where that, that purpose behind it has, has come forward and, and that sense of community where I have a platform where I feel like I can make a change. And uh, that, that's not something I set out to do. I was just trying to have fun and, and have a hobby. And um, what's happened is that, you know, Little Rock is a, is a community... I've always been interested with the size of Little Rock. You know, I've come from Houston and Boston, huge cities, and then I land here, and it. And I always refer to Little Rock as, as a really big town, and yeah. that, that's what it is to me. Uh, but it, I, I've always been um, turned on about how you can make an impact because of, of the size of the community. Uh, you know, when I wrote about something in Houston you don't really know who's reading it and who's it affecting. Mm-hmm. But here in Little Rock, you know, I've gotten to the point where if I write about a restaurant, um, I can see that it's having, it, it could have a positive effect and, and people will reach out to me and go, hey, when you wrote about the, the spaghetti and meatballs at Doe's the other day, you know, the owner will reach out to me and go, we, we sold a bunch of spaghetti and meatballs the following oh, wow. day. And yeah. I, that's, that's really rewarding to me. I, that's, mm-hmm. I, uh, but that took years to get there, you know, where I could, 
I could have an impact because not that many people were reading it first. Well, and it sounds like you're also, it's not just connecting people to the restaurant or to the food. You're connecting the community because people are then connected and going to those places and, and you know, you're the connective tissue between people and, and community. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, another thing about Little Rock is, uh, and it, it, it both excites me and it frustrates me, is that so many people will stay in their, their little pockets and they won't venture out 10 minutes more, more than 10 minutes from their house. Mm-hmm. And um, coming from Houston, everything is close to me here. Everything. Well, Every- 10 minutes from your house in Houston is like the end of the street. Exactly. <laughs> and you're going to get in a traffic jam to <laughs> right, get there. Right. Right. So it's always been, uh, you know, I'm coming from a different place and it's always, it's just easy for me to get to everywhere. I don't care. I went to Conway to have lunch the other day. That's 30 minutes. That's, that's nothing. There was no traffic. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people think that's, that's crazy. You know, I live in Midtown now. Um, most people I live with or live around or in my neighborhood, the thought of going west of Mississippi is ridiculous, right? right? You're, you're telling me I, should, I could go to the promenade to have Mexican food? That, that, no way. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's, that's so far away. Uh, so I've used the blog to, to help hopefully encourage people to get out of their comfort zones yeah. and, and to go to neighborhoods that they no, might not normally go to. And I, it, it, I really enjoy that. Going to the hole in the walls, places in southwest Little Rock that, uh, that don't get a lot of attention, yeah. don't have the money necessarily for publicity, um, you know, to buy ads in, in various publications. And I feel like my blog is a way... Um, if I can just get a few people to start showing up to these places, there's such a strong word of mouth in this town, and I love that. You know, you, you get 10 people talking, and suddenly you can change a, a, a small restaurant's business. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've always enjoyed that. So we're in the middle of this brick-and-mortar theme where um, uh, we were talking about the different bricks of our lives and how uh, it's our faith that is the mortar between it that kind of holds them all together. And, and this month we are... Talking about our, the the food brick, like our what we eat, where we dine, who we dine with, and what we consume. How that's a big part of our life, and how it does have a spiritual component. There, it is connected to our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you think? And so that's why I wanted to talk to you. So, what do you think the role of food is in our society, in our culture? I think it's it's the great unifier. You know, it's what literally and figuratively brings people to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, it has allowed me to come into a community where I didn't know anybody, and um, and 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 form you know, form these these social you know experiences in this community that I enjoy now. And I would not have had that if it wasn't for food. Um, you know, I have so many friends now in Little Rock, and we have political differences, religious differences, but we come together for food. And when we're, when we're together for food, we kind of put all that, that to the side. And I think now more than ever, we need that. You know, I think when people look at, at my blog, on, especially on Facebook, you know, I, I do a lot of social interaction on Facebook, and I think people really enjoy that. And I think a big reason they enjoy it is it's, it's a disconnect from everything else that is on Facebook, you know, politics and, and, and religious differences and whatnot. And I think it's an escape for them, yeah. you know, in a place that we all go to. We go to way too much social media. And, you know, food is at the center of it, 
But, you know, especially for me, I think when people follow the blog, I think, oh, this guy might be kind of addicted to food. But in actuality, I'm addicted to the interaction. I, mm-hmm. I like bringing people together. I like hunting for the food and, and finding something that no one knows about so I can tell them to go there. Uh, I like that far more than, you know, wonderful dumplings. I love this, but I loved the story of this even more. I loved finding this for the first time and telling people so they can enjoy it. Right. And that has certainly changed through the years. But again, food just brings you to the table and it's what you do with it after that. You know, we're, we're doing a, um, a food crawl here with the church mm-hmm. uh, this month or later this month. And, um, you know, we're bringing people young and old together and we're going to, you know, we're going to move from one place to the next. And I'm, I've done these things before and I can tell you the food is the centerpiece. It's bringing us together. But when it's all said and done at the end of that night, we're just going to look around and go, gosh, you know, do we even remember what we ate at the first stop? No, we're just we're talking and having a good time. And, you know, two of my favorite people in the world are, are members of this church. Mm-hmm. They're in their mid-80s. We, we hang out like we're best friends. We go to dinner once a month. We, I have them over my house. They have us over. We just had dinner at their house. And it was, I met them at the Root Cafe for a community dinner. Uh-huh. You know, and Craig leans into me and he's like, what is your politics? And I was like, oh no, <laughs> here we go. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. And um, to think how close we are now after that, a few years ago, where we were just sitting next to each other, talking and having a good time. And, you know, you find out so much about people, and it started with, with a dinner right there. So what is it about food that makes that possible? Because, I mean, you, it brings us to the table, but what is it about food that opens that up? Everyone loves it. it, it it's, it's that simple to me. Everyone loves food. When I was a high school teacher and I would go to parties... Um, or work parties with my wife who's a physician and they'd be like, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a high school teacher. Oh, that's really nice. That's, that's so sweet of you kind of thing. End of conversation. End of conversation, right? And I remember hated, hating going to those, those events. And then I started writing about food and I'd go to the different events like that and they'd say, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a high school teacher in my free time I write for the, I'm a food writer for the Houston Press. What? What? Yeah. Tell, so suddenly, you've got that connection because mm-hmm. everyone loves food, uh, especially lawyers for some reason. I feel like I know every lawyer in Little Rock because they, they love food. But my point is, like, I don't care what setting I'm in now. If, you know, I mention to someone what I do, it's like an instant conversation. And it usually it just keeps going and going So because everyone loves food. They love talking about it. it our society has changed mm-hmm. in that respect. I mean, I have two youngish kids now, and they, what they are subjected to in the food world compared to what I was subjected to at that age. I mean, I didn't eat sushi until I was 21, mm-hmm. you know. They have been eating sushi since they were eight, you know. I mean, that, there's a difference. They, they, see, they watch the Food Network. Celebrity, uh, chefs are celebrities now. It's a different world. But the, the bottom line is we all love food, and it, it's just an easy thing to start talking about. It doesn't, it's not awkward. Yeah, so there's, there's joy in it. There, it there's, it's, the, it's the unifier. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
there's some unhealthy things. Like what, what are the unhealthy things beyond just like being the food that's bad for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, of course there's moderation, but what are the unhealthy components that we have in food related to food in our society and in our culture? You know, it, it's, it's addiction, you know, uh, and it's something quite honestly I battle with, you know, do, doing everything I do with food. Um, I always have that word balance going in the back of my mind because you don't want to go overboard with anything. At least I don't. I look around and I see people that do what I do and there's a high rate of obesity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as much as I love doing what I'm doing, I'm not, I'm, I don't want it to affect my, my overall health. So I, I monitor it. Of, uh, you know, closely, I go to, you know, my, my annuals and make sure my cholesterol is right mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's a constant, it's a daily struggle. And it, and it just, it's that addiction, you know, like, if I know my schedule for the week, if I'm having dumplings with David Freeman right now, I know that tonight I've got to have a salad or, you know, I've got to have that balance. I can't go overboard. I'm 42 now. I can't. I can't go crazy, and right. that, that really translates uh, to everything in life. It, it's just a, a matter of finding, finding that balance. Am I always good? No. I have, I have my struggles, and I think everyone goes through that. You know, constant eating disorders. I know that's an issue. It's not with, with me, but I, I know that people that do what I do or in any field mm-hmm. uh, struggle with eating disorders. Yeah. So Tr- it, Food it, can be a major trigger. It's, it, yeah. it's usually not even the... the the root cause, but it can be the trigger to, to the behaviors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just something that uh, I'm constantly trying to be, uh, make myself aware. And, it, and you know, it's, it's, it's really top of mind, um, especially the older I get. Yeah. yeah. So in the Bible, um, or at least the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you kind of took them as, and made them one, they, they read like, a food blog or a food trip, um, and I, I'm being hyperbolic, but yeah. Jesus is eating with people over and over again, and, and these most um, profound moments in the life of Jesus happen over a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's eating at the homes of Pharisees. Uh, he, um, he he goes. It's not a meal, but he shares a, a cool glass of water with a Samaritan woman by the well. Um, when he's in, when he has his feet anointed, he's at a dinner. Um, and then, and then he even has these these conversations with the disciples about it's not what you put into your mouth; it's what's coming out of your mouth, and mm-hmm. it's all about the food um, laws and, and uh, Torah. But but even you know you look at um, his last meal with mm-hmm. his with his followers, his disciples and friends was a meal. Uh, well, I mean, it was his last meal, but his last moments with them was to celebrate the Passover meal. Um, and then after the resurrection, the, the, two, um, the two, two of the biggest stories post-resurrection are him having a meal. There's one where um, he, he's walking on the road to Emmaus. Um, they stop, they have a meal together, and when he breaks the be- bread, they recognize him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is he appears to the disciples on the, the uh, lake shore, and he um, broils some fish for them. These are all over, over this meal. So... Um, to me, like food seems central to this. It's mm-hmm. it's maybe not the main point, but it, it seems to be this um, this central place of power uh, and, and importance for Jesus and, and his disciples. So, I, I think it's you know, and it'd be interesting to hear what your reflections are about that. About what is 
What is it about sharing a meal with someone that it becomes a spiritual experience? Uh, you know, first of all, not much has changed, right? I mean, like when you, you tell, tell all those stories, I mean, those are things that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when you can sit down with someone for a meal and have an authentic experience and, and, and get past all the surface level talk, right. um, you know, your relationship goes to another level. And, um, you know, I talk about Nancy and Craig from this church and, and how I saw that develop over just a simple meal. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is uh, the great unifier, you know, and it, and it just, I think there's something about food that just naturally relaxes people. Mm-hmm. It takes you back, you know, it's nostalgic. Yeah. Um, and it's comforting, you know, you, that, that expression, comfort food. I mean, what we're having today, that dumplings, that's a comfort food across every, every culture does dumplings. Right. You know, pierogi, potstickers, uh, ravioli. Um, we go to food when we want to feel comfortable, and it takes us back. I mean, can you think of a childhood memory that, that centers around food? I mean, I bet it... it Almost one, every single one, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's one of them that just... Uh, just large family meals. Yeah. Um, this really important time with my whole family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was there like a specific dish that, that kind of pops into your head, or? Um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think about my my grandmother's cheese soup. We always had it the night before Thanksgiving. She, we'd have mm-hmm. cheese soup and, and chili and tamales, but this cheese soup was just kind of this unique thing. And um, and, and still, like even she's been uh, dead for several years, and I, and we've been chasing her recipe ever since. We have the recipe, but nobody can make it as good. Yeah, you know? and it's funny you talk about cheese soup. Well, what's the the biggest dish in Little Rock or in Arkansas is melted cheese, right. cheese dip. Cheese dip, right? right. I never even heard of cheese soup until I moved here. Uh-huh. But one of the most favorite things, uh, favorite dishes of people here is the the cheese soup at Scallions, and. You know, you talk about that, and then you see how it translates to, to menus. And I come from a different area, and I didn't even know these things existed. And now it's such a big part of my life. I didn't even know what a Delta-style tamale was when I moved here. <laughs> I had no idea. Never in my life have I heard of cheese dip until I moved here. I'm from Texas. It's queso. <laughs> queso, right. It's queso. All right. right. I know people from Arkansas say it's technically different. It's not really that different, okay? <laughs> but, you know, you, you talk about your memories. They all go back. A lot of them go back to food as the, as the centerpiece. It's what brings us together during the holidays. It's what we get excited about. Yeah. You know, in, in church, you have these, these big potlucks. Chicken spaghetti. I yeah. mean, in the, in the Baptist church, it, it, you know, the potlucks are, is, is huge. It's huge. I didn't know anything about chicken spaghetti before mm-hmm. I moved here. I didn't realize that. I remember my mom made it once or twice, and it was disgusting, and I hated it. <laughs> and then I started going to different restaurants here in Little Rock that, that make it for a special, and it's a lot different. Right. And, and, and I think it's a lot different, but maybe I'm changing. You know, when you, when you see how passionate people are about certain things, um, and that's another thing that, that I've always been excited about food is, is, like, you know, when I write about a restaurant, for example... It's not really only about the food. I'm taking into into account everything: the setting, the atmosphere, the mood, the, the experience, the, the whole experience. The whole experience. What are the, what are they doing in this restaurant to make it easier for you and I to have a conversation with 
soundproofing and things like that. All these things are going through my head. And, you know, especially when I'm writing about it now, uh, I don't just say, well, the steak was medium rare and it was perfect and that's it. Well, there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, how was the service? Was it kind? Was it attentive? Was it overbearing? Was it just right? Uh, you know, was the cocktail made with with love, or was it just something that you just kind of churned out? Right you know, um, there's so many things that that go into the experience. That again, kind of the running thing, what we're talking about, it, it it goes far beyond the food, and that's what I'm really trying to not, not only help educate, but just encourage people to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a lot of people that comment on my blog, and and they they can say some hurtful things, and um, and I don't think they really mean it to be hurtful. I just think they don't realize that other people are seeing it and reading it. Yeah. People that lives it's affecting. Yeah. And, you know, I've always done, I've never told people how to act on the blog. I encourage them uh-huh. to, to maybe be a little more professional. And I tried through my own actions, set a good example. But all these things we're talking about, you see how food is such a small part of it, mm-hmm. you know, and if you clicked on my blog, you'd think food is such a huge part of it. And it is, but there's so much more that goes into it, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, I th- when I think of food, I think of, uh, or when I think of the spiritual aspect of food, I think how there's a physical component, you, you know, it's, it's firing endorphins, you, you, your taste buds come alive, your smells, all of this, you're having this physical experience. You're also, um, it's tapping into your memory. Um, like you said, there's nostalgia mm-hmm. in, into it. Uh, and so, you, you, so it brings you back. So you're having this kind of emotional experience mm-hmm. with it, but also, um, uh, it, 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 it is the community, you know, you can, we can talk about like, oh, this piece of chocolate cake, we, we you know, oh, it's divine mm-hmm. or uh, it's a spiritual experience or whatever. But eating it alone is a different experience than eating it with, with others and exactly. sitting at table and over that conversation and the connection that happens with it. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, we joke about, oh, this, that meal was a spiritual experience. Uh, but it but it is so true when mm-hmm. when it is something that is bigger than maybe just the food itself, but the whole experience that you're having with consuming the food and the people you're consuming it with. And everyone's connection is different. I mean, what you're going through in, the, in an experience is far different than what I'm going in, into it with. And you know, uh, I, it's just fascinating how we all process that and right. and, and what we get out of every experience. You know, there might be restaurants that don't get quote-unquote good reviews and are not highly rated, but you might have a connection to that restaurant right. where you know deep down, hey, maybe the food's not great, but it's great for me, and I love sitting there, and I love feeling that connection with, with mm-hmm. the, the space. Um, you know, there's a few places like that in town that I, that I have that connection with. Um, there's one called Crazy's Cafe, and when I tell people about Crazy's, their first reaction is, oh, it's a smoking establishment. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be a smoking establishment. It's not anymore. It hasn't been for a few years, and I try to tell people that. But the rumor has the rumor still out there. Still, uh, but there's something about that space that is so warm and welcome, welcoming and comforting to me that I enjoy being in there. Is the entire menu amazing? No. But there are... There are three or four items. Like their fried catfish is my favorite in town. It truly is. Forget the setting and everything that wow. goes. It really is that good. Uh, but there's, it's the combination of, of everything that makes me love the place. 
it, it's the fried catfish. It's uh, you know, it's a Friday night. I want to go get a cold beer. They don't have the best beer in town. It's all you know, domestic stuff that you can get anywhere. Uh, but they serve it ice cold, and Margie's always there, and and you can give her a big hug, and it's just a laid back experience. And I look around, and I can tell it's all <clears throat> neighborhood folk there, young yeah. and old. And I just there's something about that doesn't really remind me of any place that I grew up with. But it, it has that kind of warm environment. That, an, it's an emotional experience. Yeah, yeah. it is. And I, and I usually far prefer that than your you know, four or five star restaurant. I, I like that. That's what agrees with me. Yeah. There's some people that go, I'm not walking foot in crazies. That's right. just not, it's not something I like. Um, so, you know, we, we, it, every place affects people differently. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, you, you mentioned like potlucks and, and things like that. There, there is so much of our Christian practice that centers around the table, mm-hmm. um, specifically Holy Communion, that um, that we gather at the table to experience um, becoming the body of Christ. Then we have potlucks. We have small groups and dinners and, and or just having coffee with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of our, our, our religious practice that happens at the table. So from your experience of... Um, of, of of food and and dining and and the way we we do this in the culture, what can we learn from from our cultural understanding of of food and dining that would make our religious experience richer and more meaningful? Um, I think just being open minded and 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 putting yourself in situations that not nece- might not necessarily feel comfortable. And and just going into it with an open mind, yeah, and and just enjoying people's company, you know. And you know, one of my favorite things to do, uh, I, I help organize these dinners uh, every other month, where I get anywhere from thirty people to sixty, seventy people, and uh, it's just a chance for everyone to come together and enjoy a nice evening and sit next to someone that maybe you're not used to sitting next to, just like I was that night with Nancy and Craig, mm-hmm. um, and just to enjoy each other's company. And it could be something as, sim- as simple, you know, I've done, I've done things at coffee houses. We've done coffee tastings. We're 10 people. That's why I started out. And it can be something very um, extravagant, like the wine cellar at 111, or it can be something in the middle, like at the pizzeria a couple weeks ago, where we're just all sitting at a very long table. And, um, you know, we all come from different back- backgrounds, but we enjoy the experience, and it, it's just it's very fulfilling and rewarding. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. That, that's interesting because we tend to, um, as religious folks, being, you know, we make it um, this kind of methodical experience. Ironically, we, this, we are in a Methodist church, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so we, we send a, ma- want to make it the same every single time, that yeah. communion has to be the same, and, 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 um, or, or a potluck has to be the same, or, or whatever it is, because that's what we know, and, and if we're trying to tap into mm-hmm. to that. But, but what you're saying is experience something different, step out of that yeah. routine. Um, it can still be the same ritual, but it's a different routine um, to experience something completely different, completely new, whether it's different people, different food, different whatever. Yeah, I mean, even what we're doing now, this is stepping out of my routine. You know, I, I've done... Uh, you don't have lunch with yeah. people with microphones <laughs> yeah. on the table with a camera pointed at <laughs> no, you? No, I don't. I don't usually do that. And, you know, I talked to my wife in January, and I said, you know, this year... 
whether you want to call it a New Year's resolution or whatever, I want to start challenging myself with everything I do in food. And it's, it usually means just saying yes mm-hmm. to a request. Things that I normally go, no, I don't want to do that because I don't necessarily feel comfortable doing that. Well, you asked me to do this a couple weeks ago. What was my first reaction? No. No. Okay. <laughs> and then I went back and I was like, you know what? This is a perfect example of something I don't necessarily feel comfortable with. And I'm going to challenge myself. Again, was it centered around food? Yes. Was it really about food? No. This yeah. was about stepping out and trying something different and trying to grow as an individual. And, you know, that's what I, I have to set that example. You know, I've got, like I said, I got kids. I got to set that example. You know, I, you can't say no, you know, always. You got to, if you're not comfortable, I think kids these days, when they get uncomfortable with something, they just meet like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, get on my phone. And, yeah make it easy for myself. And I think it's important to make it a little difficult on yourself to put yourself in uncomfortable situations because guess what? If we ever do this again, you know, if I was a little apprehensive and nervous about it, well now I'm going to be like, this is, let's do this. this I didn't is, die. Yeah, yeah, this is great. So yeah. And so what you're saying is also like, you have to put yourself at tables that maybe aren't, aren't comfortable because we, we tend to, to go with people that we, that we know we're comfortable with, we eat food that we know we're comfortable with. Yes. But you're saying like, it's a, it's, it's a much more enriching experience to sit with people that, that maybe you disagree with or maybe you don't know about or you have to learn over, uh, learn something about them and try foods that you don't know and don't uh, are, are, uh, may seem different or something that you don't like. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that comes up all the time on the blog with the food. You know, I, I'll put up a picture of raw, raw oysters and I'll get several people go, Disgusting. Never. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing it. Well, have you ever had it? No. <laughs> never had it. But it's disgusting. You know, but how do you know that? You know, I'm never going to this taqueria in this part of town. Yeah. Really? Why don't you give it a shot? You know, I think you might enjoy it. And it's not dangerous. And I think you'll find that the food is fantastic. The service is amazing. It's some of the best you'll find anywhere. But you just got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I see that in this town. It's prevalent. Yeah. And I feel like it's one of my passions is to really get people out and about in different settings, whether it's in a different restaurant or just around different people like we were just talking about. I think uh, that has a lot uh, to inform our our, our practice, our spiritual practice Mm -hmm. is... um, to um, to push the the level of our comfort because um, it'll make it a, a much more richer and um, much more meaningful experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, I mean, I, I finished mine um, almost. You've like not had a bite, and so <laughs> I've had a couple of bites to show that I was yeah, the process of eating. Well, know. the whole idea of like, hey, let's film this, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to make you eat food and talk, yeah. do all the talking. So yeah. sorry about that. No, I love it. But a great time. but we appreciate you having this conversation. We appreciate you leading the, the food tour in a few weeks and, yeah. and being our our resident expert for uh, the month of March. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been wonderful. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Okay. So now I have some lightning questions for you. So uh, these have to be um, as as quick as you can. And this is about you. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, Reykjavik, Iceland. I want, I want to know that story, but these are lightning questions. Um, (laughs) What do you do to de-stress? I watch basketball. What's your guilty pleasure? Uh, anything I'm gonna with you I'm gonna say not food wise yeah, it no, can't okay, be a food yeah, guilty yeah, pleasure yeah, that, that's a good one um, 
Jeez, um, not food wise. That that's a that's a tough one. Um, Could you answer I, it quickly if it was? Food? I mean, I, mean I, I I like traveling a lot. You know, it, it, that's not really a guilty pleasure, but um, that's not a guilty pleasure at all. It's a terrible answer. So, what's your food guilty pleasure? Uh, anything fried, hush puppies. Oh, hush puppies. Yeah. That's another thing that's developed since I've lived here in Little Rock. There's hush puppies. Hush puppies. My love for hush puppies. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, what's one thing you won't skimp on? Like you, you have to have a lot of, or you have to have the best. Um, gosh, the one thing I won't skimp on, probably. Um, when I travel, I I, I want to have uh, one good or two good meals. Yeah, like like a really good dining experience. Um, what's what's something that always makes you laugh? Uh, I love uh, George Carlin. Uh, Can I be specific? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I love George Carlin. I listen to his stuff uh, a lot, uh, especially now. He he's uh, he was so ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, and I listen to his stuff. He his stand up routines from twenty thirty years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say he holds up, but I think it's more because he was ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he is. Um, what is your drink of choice? Old fashioned. Oh yeah, mountains or beach? Ooh, um, beach. Although I gotta wear a lot of sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. um, who is your brush with greatness? So, what, is, what famous person have you met? Now you can't be like I went to a concert and I saw them. It has to be somebody you met. Uh, one of the first couple months I did food, I got to meet Tyler and interview Tyler Florence, who's a big Food Network guy. So if, if you're a foodie listening to this, um, yeah, he was he was. Uh, that was I didn't know what I was doing. I was interviewing him one on one. I kind of fell into it. Uh, that was uh, I would say a brush. And also I've I mean I've seen a lot of uh, athletes. Uh, I used to work for the Houston Rockets when I was in high school. Uh-huh. I was a runner and did all the odd jobs. And I, I it was I got to see all the great players at that time and, and be around them. So did you meet Clyde Drexler? Because that would have been yes. you would have been in high school about that yeah. time, right? I was there the night that the Houston Rockets traded for him, and he walked out of the tunnel in the summit. And I was right behind him. Oh wow! Yep, that is a that yeah. is a you nailed it with actual breath with the yeah. greatest. Yeah. Uh, what's one skill you've always wanted but never learned? Uh, to play the guitar. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be so cool to just be able to grab a guitar and impress my wife with it. Right now, you know, just you should take secret lessons. I, I should. Of course, wait, I wait. just recorded this and yeah. people will hear it. But you should take secret <laughs> lessons and then like surprise her on your anniversary would, one year. Yeah, oh, she would die. Oh, she would love it. She would love that. Maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. I don't know. I'm just so not inclined musically. It's crazy. But I love music. Good. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. All right. I'll let you eat now. All right. <laughs> There's so much more to food than just fueling our bodies, isn't there? I mean, as you heard from this conversation, it's a spiritual experience. Eating is physical, but it's also emotional because uh, it conjures up nostalgia and memories. And then there's this social experience as we gather and share with others. And then there's ritual involved, whether it's how we eat or when we eat or even what we choose to eat. And often we stop to give thanks to God for the gift of food and and perhaps the privilege that it's so plentiful for many of us. And all of this together opens us up to something beyond ourselves. It's the combination of all of this that heightens our awareness of the divine presence at the table. So I want to thank Kevin Shalen for this great conversation. 
You can check him out on The Mighty Rib, whether it's his blog or on social media. Thanks to all of you for listening and to Mr. Carter for his great support. Until next time.